With children back in school and many of them too young to be vaccinated against COVID-19, parents are facing new fears and anxieties. For some parents, including those with chronic illnesses and immunodeficiency, the risks and the concerns are especially great. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Sasha Mallet, a primary care physician at Kaiser Permanente. Dr. Mallet has written a prospective essay about being an immunocompromised parent during the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Mallet, you write in your prospective essay that after your son was born, you were diagnosed with Sjogren's syndrome and common variable immunodeficiency. How do these conditions affect your health in general, and what do they mean for your risk of COVID-19 and related complications? Having these two chronic life-limiting illnesses are something I deal with on a daily, if not hourly basis. Prior to the pandemic, I was someone who was sick all the time. I went into work seeing patients in a clinic, which I very much enjoyed, but which did sort of leave me sick for about 50% of my working, waking days. And a lot of us doctors had the experience of staring at a computer screen for much of our days and having Sjogren's where I have decreased tear production. That's an added challenge as well. So prior to the pandemic, I was very sick and struggling to do my job. Now that the pandemic has come and many of our jobs have morphed into looking like things that they didn't look like before, I am now a virtual primary care doctor. I'm actually our region's first virtual primary care doctor. And so I do the entirety of my practice from my house, from our spare bedroom in the basement. And I feel really lucky and grateful to still have a job and to be able to do 90 plus percent of my work as an internist and have maintained continuity of my patients. But the reason that I am here and, and not in the clinic, like all of my peers and colleagues is because of mostly my immunodeficiency. And so obviously I am very high risk for COVID having CVID puts me at risk sort of in a few ways. Firstly, just because the primary issue or problem with CVID is that you don't make antibodies. So you can't fight an infection. Obviously there's an infection going on in the world out there. And secondly, and perhaps more sort of pertinent to this conversation and significantly, I don't respond to vaccines. And so as part of the diagnostic criteria for CVID, they give you a bunch of vaccines and then check your post-vaccine titer. And I was completely null for all the vaccines that they gave me. So I am very high risk for having an infection and I'm not able to access the main pathway out of the pandemic, which is vaccines. And so I am for better or worse working out of my home these days, and I am grateful to be doing so and grateful to still be quote unquote seeing patients, but my health has presented new challenges, I would say in this pandemic. I am healthier in some ways, given that I am now working from home and not having all the exposures that I had in the past, but there has been losses obviously as well. So what kinds of precautions have you and your family taken during the pandemic to reduce your risk of infection? I would say from day one, we have drawn a really bright line. The first cases in America obviously popped up in Seattle in February of 2020. And being someone who lives in Portland, Oregon, being a West Coaster, I was watching those cases very closely and seeing them as sort of a harbinger of what was to come. And I remember telling my boss in the weeks that we were watching those cases pop up and in the weeks leading up to my eventual transition to solely virtual care, I remember saying to her, if this comes here, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to come to work anymore. And so when the first case hit our area, I mean, I remember it very well. It was February 28th, 2020. Everyone always references March, but for us, it was actually a Friday night, February 28th. I had just come home from spending a full day in clinic seeing patients. And I saw the local news that the first case was detected in our area, actually at the same 
hospital that I work for at one of Kaiser's hospitals. And so that evening I regrouped with my husband and I said, we have to make a lot of changes really overnight with no warning. And I called my boss and I said, I'm really sorry, I'm not coming to work on Monday. And we sent an email to all of our family and friends and said, we're going to be from now until the foreseeable future doing this thing called social distancing, which I remember at the time was just not a part of our vernacular. It was not a term that anyone had heard of or was discussed. And the response I got was positive, but a little bit skeptical, I would say. Most people, I think, were like, whoa, 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 like, I don't know if you need to change your whole job because of this. And let's see what happens. Let's see where this goes. But we drew out bright line from the very beginning. I mean, I did not go to work that Monday and I have not set foot back inside my clinic since. Since that time, it's been a year and a half. I used to consider myself a foodie who liked to go out to restaurants and had a standing date night with my husband. And we have done none of that in the past year and a half. I can count on one hand the number of businesses I have been inside of, and they have been out of pure necessity in brief periods of time. I certainly haven't gone on an airplane. I haven't gone into a grocery store. I haven't hugged anyone who isn't my son or husband. We obviously have not seen most members of our extended family. We don't have family in town. And it's been a real difference, obviously, from life pre-pandemic and also from the lives that we sort of see our friends living or have lived at least in part over the last year and a half. In your essay, you write about sending your son to his first day of kindergarten. Was sending him to school a purposeful decision or was remote learning or holding him back a year an option for you? We already did that. Because of his birthday, we sort of had the option to have him be towards the younger end of his class or the older end of his class. And given that we were a year and a half in this fall, we could have sent him to kindergarten last year, but we held him back. And so not only was virtual not an option, I mean, unless we withdrew him from school and signed him up for a totally different online school, or I guess we've had moments where we've contemplated one of us quitting our careers and just becoming homeschoolers, which is not at all what we are necessarily interested or trained to do. But I mean, obviously it was a very considered decision and we had to weigh all of the pros and cons, but it didn't feel like there were a lot of other great options. And I think it really comes down to this idea of, as I mentioned in the article, that the risk benefit calculus of our lives is just never going to look the same as it did pre-pandemic. We've been living in this sort of tuck and hold posture for the last year and a half. And I think we just came to this moment, this decision node where we had to decide whether to send him or not. And it just became apparent that we have to move forward with some aspects of our life. We can't only live out of our home for potentially forever. So it was a very considered decision and it was fraught and it was not an easy one. And I still hope that it's the right decision. So what measures did you take to protect your son and yourself when you did send him to school? And are you taking any precautions above what's already in place at the school? You know, I feel really lucky that we are able to send him to a school that has smaller class sizes. That was a consideration for us. We also feel really lucky to be at a school that has taken COVID incredibly seriously. They have had multiple meetings where they've talked about every window in every classroom and every classroom having external entrances so students aren't walking down the hallways and they bought a new desk for each student so students aren't working together at tables. I mean, as sad as that is, it's beneficial in this situation. So I'd say for starters, I feel really lucky that we've been able to send them to a school that has taken COVID extremely seriously and as a result has had no cases thus far. But on top of that, are we doing additional layers of protection? We do have access, obviously, to these home rapid antigen tests, which we 
use at times to randomly to test him and, and myself. But I think like for a lot of us, especially us being folks who are immunocompromised, we are relying on all of the layers of protection that we can use, right? Masks, social distancing, ventilation, hand hygiene, et cetera. But also ultimately we're relying on a bit of luck. And so I think we're relying on all of those things <laughs> to get us through. Now that it's several weeks into the school year, how has your family managed the transition? Have there been any unexpected challenges or happy surprises? That's funny you should ask. Just two days ago, we had our first COVID scare. <laughs> so my son woke up on Friday morning and he said, mom, I have a sore throat and my nose is stuffy. And I was like, okay, it's go time. 6.15 in the morning. And my husband, and I both had work that day. And it's sort of like this moment that you've kind of been preparing for all along. And so we did the rapid home test and we took him to get a PCR test later that day. And we, I called in sick and he, he didn't go to school and we were lucky enough to get a negative test result and have threaded that needle for the time being that this was just a quote unquote regular cold. But there was a lot of fear and anxiety in that moment, right? I mean, this was just a month in and already this was his first COVID test ever because he's never had a reason to have a test before. And it was very scary for him. I mean, I think as a six-year-old, he understands to some extent what's going on. And it took a little over 24 hours, probably more like 30 hours for the test result. So for those two days that I was with him and waiting for the test result, it was very weird interaction between him and I, right? I mean, normally a mom and her son are very close and I help him into the car and help with feeding and bathing and all of the sort of daily mom needs, caretaking needs of a kid. And in those two days that I was waiting for his test results, I wore an N95 100% of the time. And I wore, we had some goggles, like some swim goggles. And so I literally was walking around the house for two days in swim goggles and an N95. And it's a weird time, but thankfully I've actually continued to wear an N95 at home just for the last couple of days as he's getting better and so far haven't gotten sick. And so I think the lesson it sort of taught me is that I don't want to bright side this experience. This has been a huge collective trauma for all of us, but there have been some silver linings. And one of them is just a greater appreciation for disease transmission and how to control contagion. And so if this means that I just wear N95s and masks more often, maybe once a month while my son is sick, well, boy, that's way better than being sick all the time. So there are trade-offs, but there has been just as of a few days ago that, that one unexpected or perhaps expected twist in the road. So finally, and you've just begun to answer this question already, but how has the pandemic changed your long-term view as a person who's immunocompromised and as a parent? And how do you think it's going to affect your approach to parenting and to daily life in general as your son grows up? The sort of unfortunate fact of my life is that I was diagnosed with this immunodeficiency just a few months after his birth. And so his entire life, he will know me as an immunocompromised person and mom. And it is sad that his normal childhood experiences are held in tension with my health. I mentioned this in the article, but I think it's really a Sophie's choice where I'm having to face whether I continue to go to work or go to the grocery store or just have a normal life and whether he is able to do those things. And my husband too, I mean, for my whole family, we've all had to make a lot of compromises and a lot of changes to our life to accommodate my health. And there's the expression mom guilt. I think a lot of us moms feel like we are never doing enough, right? That we are never doing enough for our careers. And then we're parenting. We're not good enough parents. And 
we're sort of always feeling this sort of never enoughness. And I think I try really hard to turn that around as much as I can and acknowledge that I'm doing the best I can. I am giving as much to my career as I can. And I'm being a darn good parent. I'm being the best parent I possibly can be. And so, yes, it will mean changes for my son as he grows up. And I hope that medicine will evolve where the risk that's out there will be mitigated by some new treatment or new discovery. And maybe we won't be in this situation for the rest of my life. But even if this is the rest of my life, even if COVID does become endemic, then this is still a life that I want to live. I'm still doing pretty darn good job being a primary care doctor and a pretty darn good job being a mom. So you just have to give yourself some grace and focus on that. Thank you, Dr. Mallet.